Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Nerds Amalgamated. I'm the Professor and my co-hosts are DJ and Bucky. How are hey you guys. going, Buck? I'm Shout out DJ, Buck goes first tonight. Oh. So he can't whinge this week. <laughs> no, don't you bet on it. <laughs> but Bucky... yeah, I'm marvellous. Thanks, thanks for asking. And how are you going? I too am marvellous. That's fabulous. What about you, DJ? I'm good. I'm good. You broke the trend. Ah, uh, I was going to say something, but then you broke it too. <laughs> what? That's just uh, if you if you can understand that, please write in <laughs> and tell us what he's talking about. <laughs> right. So anyway, uh, let's get the show started. Our first topic this week is from Buck regarding solar power and water. It is. Oh, hang on. I've got something popped up on my feed here. Um, yeah, um, there's a prototype for a, a new fl- floating um, solar power device that produces energy and cleans your water or filters your water at the same time. So the Japanese would probably like that because they have a lot of um, solar farms situated on top of water. So, yeah, and for other people that just want to have clean drinking water, yeah, but this is mounting a water distillation system on the back of a solar cell, and it allows you to double the unit as both an energy generator and a water purifier at the same time. So, yeah, it's 11% of incoming light being converted into electricity, uh, which is comparable to commercial solar cells, which usually transform anywhere from 10 to 20% of the sunlight they soak up into usable energy. So, yeah. What do you guys reckon? You reckon you use one of these? Yeah, I reckon um, there'd be a lot of, a big market for off-grid especially. Mm -hmm. Probably particularly uh, African countries where they don't always have the best water or electricity supply. You can go and mount one of these on each house and... uh, solve that both problems at once mm-hmm. interesting thing to note here is the author of the paper um peng wang is <laughs> that's their name peng, peng, peng wang um is an engineer at king abdullah university of science and technology in tuwal saudi arabia so yeah these guys are literally living in an area where this is going to be absolutely amazing i like that it uh, shouldn't really like it shouldn't decrease the amount of electricity you get from the solar cell and mm-hmm. i imagine the um the solar panel would be interchangeable fairly easily if a new tech comes out you would expect so um at the moment the the devices they've been using the it's about a meter across and estimated to pump about 1.7 kilograms of clean water per hour. Which, since we live in a civilized country, is 1.7. Pardon? Uh, Professor, you cut off. I said, since we live in a civilized country, where we use metric, that's 1.7 liters. Um, kilograms are metric too. Yeah, <laughs> but as opposed to living in some backwards third world country where they don't use metric, and having to convert from liters to gallons or hogsheads. Hey, don't, don't you go knocking hogsheads. 
You wouldn't even know what a hook set is, BJ. No, but no, but I just find that measurement funny. How they people use hogsheads just reminds me of the currency one African country has, which is a salt block as a currency. Um, we we still basically operate on a similar thing to that, which goes back to Roman times, where the Roman soldiers were paid in salt. So when you think about the fact that people are on salary, yeah, that comes from the word that's derived from the word salus. But I will say this sort of tech, it just reminds me of um, what you said earlier, what you posted on um, on our Facebook page once upon a time about um, a, motor, a motorized version of um, distilling water at one point. Okay. But I'd like to see more of this tech coming out um, in, in the near future, though, because we des- because with the whole climate change and everything, I think this is vital. Yeah. Um, the other, like, there's going to be like this huge market this sort of stuff because you could probably also look at putting it i don't know whether it's a desalination system as well as part of the purification but if it does desalination you could also have it on um boats and it could also be used as part of the um critical response for groups such as the ses and the military when they respond to tsunamis and that sort of stuff yeah that's true that's true but then the co- problem would be also the cost in terms of how much would a family have to afford to um to get this sort of tech up and running. I don't think it's a lot more than what a solar panel would cost. The key thing seems to be the polystyrene membrane filter. Mm-hmm. It's a, a simple distillation uh, concept. But um, so the sunlight hits the solar panel, heats it up, which heats up the water chamber which evaporates, passes through the membrane and condenses. So since it's polystyrene, I can't imagine it will cost too much to uh, manufacture. Yeah. Well, they, uh, yeah, because they're saying here, like, it filters out salt, but I'm not sure, like, so it should be able to be a good desalination system for putting on boats as well. Cost-effective, like, a a metre square unit is doing 1.7 kilograms of clean water per hour. That's if you only have that op- operating for five hours a day, that's more than enough drinking water for a person. Yeah, I see um, a comment here for a good point, though, uh, asking how long the membrane would last uh, in contact with saline and also how hard it will be to clean out a membrane. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a bit of a kink in the plan. Um, well, I can't actually see the answer to it there. No, you probably have to dig into the uh, the full paper. Yeah. Which we know you love to do. Yes, I'm actually starting to do it now. Okay. Um, Can you imagine Bear Grylls doing this this thing as well, though? Like, he will make his own version of, of that type of machine? Well, I don't know. Are you, well, strangely enough, there is actually something similar, but it wasn't Bear Grylls, it was the Bush Tucker Man. It was Australia's version of Bear Grylls, probably taught Bear Grylls back in the day. Um, he used a sheet of plastic and dug a hole in the sand near the beach and um, put a rock on top of the hole with a water bottle in the middle and the salt water evaporated up and it poured, it dripped down and he just had it dripping through a um, salt cloth which captured all the... Um, salt out of the water so he's getting fresh water from 
that was filtered through the sand at the beach and then the final salt was taken out of it at the very end. So, yeah. And you could also do that with um, fresh water near creeks and so forth. Yeah, that's a uh, classic distillation uh, basic survival distiller. They yeah. actually taught us how to make them in scallops. So that's the whole. That's that's an easy process one, that one. This is a constant process. Um, I can't see anywhere here where they're saying about the, the lifespan of the filter, but, yeah, it's... I'm going to have to spend a lot more time reading this one through to truly appreciate it, I think. We'll uh, have to come back with that then. So our next topic this week is from DJ. What have you got for us, DJ? So, fresh off from the recent se- um, end of the season, the recent season, um, Steven Universe um, ha- has announced that they'll be releasing a movie. And from the trailer I've seen, it looks really cool. So it's basically saying Steven wants a ha- wants his happy ending. Destructive forces from space are threatening to unlike un- all-, all life on Earth. He and his friends suddenly find themselves having to save the planet again. That's the over- that's the plot, basically. But yeah, it's going to be um it's going to be coming out soon. And Rebecca Sugar, the creator of it, says that um this will be this, this will talk everything from. Bob Foss and inspiration to and an inspiration to the LGBT community, teen crushes from the nineties and even fanny packs. But yeah, it's um Steven Universe for those who don't know what the show's all about, it's basically about a kid who lives with um three three beings known as the crystal gems, and they're all from this planet called Homeworld. And the story basically and, and it's and it's five seasons worth of story about how Steven I tries to um, figure out his whole life story and where his mom's from and his past and present. But yeah, it's all these madcap adventures and it's an it's it's a very innocent story, I'll say. Okay. But um, I will say this though: the with this with the um episodes, it it takes about a hundred episodes of fillers before it goes to the before it starts getting serious, saying, okay. I know I want to know more about my past kind of thing. So the first hundred episode is basically filler. That's a lot of filler. I know, I know. They really took their time there. I think. Well, then here's here's the thing though about with fillers because they tend to like they tend to talk about how oh this is the life this is how you live your life in this in this part of town you get to know everyone that kind of thing. So. So in other words, the fillers aren't just a waste of time. There's a lot lots of other story background and development going on yeah before it really develops into where the dj could actually grasp it and, and understand it <laughs> but the problem with steven you know, there are a couple of problems with that show though like so, the um the way they solve problems for example it they do it through song and dance which is kind of annoying instead of like talking instead of like a com- a, a conflict there would be like I'm going to solve my problem through song and dance. So it's Bollywood. Uh, not really Bollywood per se, more like um, 80s cinema. Like, um, you, know how, you know how the old 80s cinemas are like? No, I don't. Yes, I do. Oh, um, are, you, are you knocking 80s cinema? No, I'm just saying that it sounds like 80s cinema in terms of you'll get a song and the song will be part of the story and then they solve the problems through the song. That's it. That's the the type of formula you would get. Well, they used to do that with um, Captain Planet. But there's another form of, um, it's not cinema, it's theatre, called musicals. 
And we have the the Podfather, who loves musical theatre. Yeah, so much so that he made a podcast about the musicals. Yes, and they told him every, told him everything he knows. That's our segue for the week. <laughs> the world is a mess. War, famine, politics. Why can't everyone just get along? Yeah, like in musicals. Musicals fix everything. If people listened and learned from musicals, everything would be better. Music, lights and spontaneous choreography. What isn't there to love? If you want to learn all of life's important lessons... Or just listen to some musical theatre nerds wax lyrical... Subscribe to Musicals Tell Me Everything I Know, wherever you find fun and funny podcasts. Or at our website at thatsnotcanonproductions.com. That's Not Canon Productions podcast. But with the... um, So with the series so far, it just talks about how... There, there are some interesting concepts with this with the show as the story progresses. For example, there, um, the crystal gems, um, who are Stephen's parents, which are basically amethyst, garnet, and pearl, and they're all they they're basically three. They're basically his guardians, basically, and they and they try to and they basically have these special powers called fusions. So they fuse into different elements. It's a very it, you gotta watch the series. It's I saw when I first heard about it the first time I went, eh, really, Steven Universe? Eh, yeah, yeah, okay. Then I saw a couple of the episodes and it kind of grew on me. It, it's not one. It's it kind of grows on you. Okay. But um, I will say this: um, with the last season, there is uh, th- there are some interesting um events that happen in the in the final season. I'm not sure whether they will make a new season or or more, but um, yeah. Cool. So. With the movie, is there anything special that we need to look out for? Um, with the movie, from the trailer I saw, it's basically a time skip from I think it would be a couple of years after the season finale, after the final season finale, and Stephen has a neck. <laughs> That's all I can say for to avoid the spoilers. Stephen has a neck in this one. Okay then, because if you look like I say, if you look at Stephen, if you look at Stephen. In the entire in the entire series, he has no neck. And then you look at the poster; he's like, he's got a neck. He's got a neck. Well, he probably had it before. You just didn't notice it. Well, maybe he's lost weight and his double chin has faded away, and you've just wrecked his self confidence. <laughs> you heard it first here, folks. The DJ's fat shaming a cartoon character child. <laughs> he's a child DJ. How can uh, you do this? Hey, hey. Uh, you bully. <laughs> hey, hey, you guys are bullies too in this in, to, a, to a certain degree when you bully me. <laughs> when? We've never bullied you. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> but anyways, jokes aside. Um, Hang on. Was he drawn by the same people who drew Fallout Boy for Fallout 76? No. That's on. Um, I don't think so. The art style doesn't look it the looks same. Looks very similar. But um, I will say, I will also say this for Steven Universe: their songs are pretty amazing to listen to. Like they're the kind of chill type music. So we've gone from I don't like the musing songs. I like listening to their songs. No, no. What I meant is the uh, trailer songs and the theme song. But do you yeah, see yeah, what? You're not selling us there, fellow. 
It's a pretty it's it's a pretty niche movie. Like you, like I said, you gotta watch the series first before you watch the movie. But there are some there there are some good moments in that movie which will kind of melt your heart in a way. Oh, I think we'll and, have to include a link with um to a collection of Steven Universe songs. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So anyway, uh, before the DJ puts his foot in it even more, let's move on with our next topic. Now, following on from uh, a couple of weeks ago where I talked about a game developer in Las Vegas, I found an article from a game developer talking about the release process on Steam and discussing how it costs you $1,000 to list your software on Steam and you get a you get that back if you make $1,000. But um, Steam still takes their 30% cut of that $1,000 and they talk about alternative alternative storefronts and marketing. It's really quite a long article, but it's worth reading if you're into the sort of environment at all. So hang on. Those games that are available for free on Steam, that costs people $1,000 to put up there for us to play. $100. $100. Yeah, it's a $100 deposit that gets refunded when you reach $1,000. So technically, of your first $1,000 on Steam, uh, Valve takes $200 of it because you get your $100 deposit back. But I thought they took 30%. Yeah, 30% regularly, but they also give you your $100 deposit back. Okay. So that cuts it back down to 200 which just to uh, confuse things. Fair enough. Yep. And there's 25 games launched on Steam every day. And Mike Rose, who is the, from the publisher behind the Game Descenders said that in February 2018, 850 games launched on Steam. That's 40 a day. Uh, sorry, I must have the 25 a day number wrong. So in February 2018, there was 40 a day. And he reckons that about 82% of those games wouldn't even make the developer minimum wage in the US. And um, he then goes on to estimate that if you remove the games that never had a chance of selling at all, the average game on Steam will sell about 2,000 copies and make 12500 in its first month, up to $30,000 in its first year. With the 30% cut, that's $21,000. Then there's taxes and everything. So it's really sounding... Um, I, it's kind of depressing. I was just going to say, thank you. Thank- Thanks for killing the buzz. Yeah. Let's let's go back to talking about Steven Universe with the, the song and dance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. Like, Steven Universe has its dark moments as well, I will say that. But with, in terms of gaming, yeah, like... We, games the Steven Universe, so there is a Steven Universe game. <laughs> and you, you play music to fight monsters or something. I don't know. I haven't played it myself. <laughs> Anyways, um, I do have a question for you, though. Do you reckon, um, is this the reason why people are moving to Epic Games now, though? That and Epic are buying them out. Because basically, um, with games like Phoenix Point, Epic came to them and offered them so much money, they'd be completely stupid not to take it. Mm -hmm. Epic's trying to be the Disney. Well, actually, no, the Fox, I should say. They're trying to be Fox Studios in the gaming world. Yeah. Some, I like this, so it gives alternatives other than the typical Epic Origin, all of that. 
because some of those platforms aren't any better for the indie market than Steam is. The author's uh, preferred platform seems to be Ultra, which takes a 15% fee. And I just had to skim back up a bit. Uh, I think Ultra is based on blockchain. Okay. Which blockchain's um, a bit of a buzzword. Explain blockchain to us. (laughs) Basically, you have a block of data and you apply an algorithm to get a hash, which is an identifier, a unique identifier for that block of data. Then when you have your next block of data ready to go, you put that in the chain and combine the hash of the previous block with the next block and so on and so forth. And that way you know that no one has tampered with any of the blocks in the chain. Awesome. So I honestly haven't looked into it far enough to know exactly how Ultra uses the um, uses the blockchain. Well, we're definitely learning this week. We apologize, yeah. folks. It's not just entertainment. We are actually teaching you something. Shock horror. <laughs> so is there hope for indie game developers to be able to get games out to us so that the market can continue to receive great entertaining software? I think indie is always going to be a um, risky proposition because in the 80s and 90s, indie meant taking your game, getting it published on tapes or floppy disk, later CD, and then shipping that out. That's a huge material cost especially if you only get a few pressings of your CD done at a time. Mm-hmm. You, um, there's a huge bulk discount when it comes to mass production of that sort of stuff. Then in the 2000s, we had this period where the internet took off and indie games realized they could market on the internet and distribute on the internet and save money on distribution. But now the indie market is so big that Right, there's 40 games a day coming out on Steam, and that's just too many for any person to keep up with. And you need to do so much to push past all of the asset flip rubbish. Mm-hmm. I remember back in um, the 80s and 90s, a lot of the um, indie games were just, we, we had a thing called shareware. Yeah. The and original uh, Doom and uh, Wolfenstein release like that. Yeah, and it it just had a thing. If you really enjoy this, please send $5 or whatever you want to the developers at such and such. And I have to admit, I actually did send $5 to them, a couple of them because the games were fun. Well, they also used that as a marketing strategy. You'd get the first level for free as shareware, and then it would say, if you send $20 or whatever to the developer, the developer would ship back a copy of the full game yeah but a lot of the time um those copy game full copies would be shared out and everything as well yeah drm was less of a thing back then it was hacking was a lot less complicated a lot more straightforward for some of them was just it was just a matter of taking the little sticker off so you could actually copy it oh yeah the little uh rag protect sticker on the floppy sorry i never said that <laughs> Has Buck admitted to a crime? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> I was also, um, yeah, people were using DOS and understanding 
a lot of the stuff that you file on location tables and so forth. Whereas, which does actually enable more hacking. Whereas Windows seems to make it a little bit more difficult, and people aren't playing in that area as much anymore. Yeah, the um, obvious nature of a huge increase of the number of people using computers is that there's a huge uh, the percentage of people who could do that sort of stuff has gone down. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely something interesting to look forward to. Are you going to be releasing any software soon for us? I hope so. I don't know when I'll ever finish it, though. The um, the games that I'm working on are making progress, although slowly, because we all have day jobs. But I'm hoping to have a, a bit of a push on that now and see what I can get done. Well, I, I don't actually have a day job. I'm a university student. So if no, anyone not. does have a day job out there and they're looking for someone, I, I, I'll, I'm, I'm willing to consider it. Yes, and unfortunately, a team of game developers making no money don't have need for an HR person. So I don't know. I could come hang out with me, but I could I could help improve productivity and marketability. Bring a bring a a chair and a whip and whip away. Get to work. Get to work. I can imagine Buck being like a cruel slave master going, onward, slave, Psh! onward. Psh! I was thinking more like um, Temple of Doom. But... <laughs> so does that mean you're going to make Professor um, the, the high priest and do the whole Kali Ma thing? No, because he'd be the slave. He's the developer. Oh, no, he could be. He, he Guys, could be the... I don't like where this is going. <laughs> That's okay. The DJ's the... The sacrificial lamb in the from the high priest. I can handle that. See, there you go. That's HR. Well, I, ma- I solved the problem, made everyone happy. <laughs> <laughs> See what I mean by bullying me? <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. <laughs> Where were we bullying you? Oh, I don't know, buddy. We're helping to make you the central attraction of a religious festival. Oh, that's a good spin you've got there, Buck. Very good spin. <laughs> See, nobody's bullying you. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I know because the way the game, the way gaming gaming industry is going lately, like with all the crunch culture and. How game game companies are trying are trying to pull a spin on loot boxes and how how getting they're not money loot from- boxes they're surprise mechanisms. <laughs> well, as I was saying, um, like it's it's going to be harder for the, for being a games developer with all this type of drama going on. Well, at the same time, it's probably also one of the better times because. There's now multiple stores. You can pick and choose what features you want your game to support and have access to. So if you go off Steam, you have community forums, 
uh, Steamworks as your multiplayer and anti-cheat and DRM. If you go with Epic, you get a multi-million dollar payout. If you, um, I was going to say, if you go with Desura, but Desura hasn't been around for years now. But if you go with this Ultra thing, they have their own set of features. And at the same time, um, the key focus of these indie stores like Ultra seem to be on effective marketing, mm-hmm. which you can't really do on Steam, according to the um, article in the show notes. It's also the technology available now. You're able to achieve a lot more with games and software engineering now and game development than what you used to be able to back in the 80s. Like the amount of code required to create a 3D ball on a screen was phenomenal, especially when you talk like with the, the shallow play and everything else like that and adding texture to it. So when you think about games such as um, Madden's NFL and all that sort of stuff, creating a game like those back in the day, you had to have massive numbers of people crunching massive amounts of code just to make the objects and then to have the, all the interaction and everything like that to get the game out there in the market. And that's even if you have a, a god of programming like John Carr. So then you, these days you, you've got software such as um, Python and so forth that a lot of your, your objects identifiers are already there and it's a lot less complicated. Yeah, like you can find tutorials, make a shooter game in eight hours in Unity. It really comes down to a couple of days' work to make something in Unity. Mm. And it's not going to be particularly unique. And that's why I think there's a lot of games coming out on Steam that probably shouldn't have come out because they're just derivative. But at the same time, it's great to see people having such an easy route into expressing themselves through games. It's just a problem of being trying to be discovered, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, hang on. No, I see where you're going there, DJ. No, we're not going to have a reality TV show called "You Are the Game Developer." No, but no, I'm not. Uh, no, I'm not going to make it into a into a Project Runway reject show. No, that's not what I'm thinking. But that's I'm, good. Just making I'm, sure. I know just, you like that reality TV. Hey, if reality TV has taught us anything, it's that humans love drama. But anyway, but um, besides the point, I'm just saying that. Nowadays, it's very hard to get discovered. Like I'm, like Notch, for example, in Minecraft. I'm, I, I bet you it took, it took a long time before he got discovered. Well, that's the thing. Minecraft itself was a game called Infinity Miner, and Infinity Miner never took off as much as Minecraft did. Mm-hmm. And you got people that are like who? Who were the guys that made the entire world of Harry Potter in Minecraft? I don't think I've seen that one. There's some. There was a group group of people that got together and they've actually recreated the entire world of Harry Potter in Minecraft. Wow! I know that people just finished the um, the project to create Moria. No, sorry, Middle Earth. I knew a guy close to ten years ago now who was playing um, Minecraft to make Moria, but I think I saw recently that. The team had finished all of Middle Earth. 
It might have been Middle Earth. I know. I know there's some stuff about um, Harry Potter. Like there's the entire like all of Hogwarts and the um, village up nearby and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I thought so, I'd seen something recently where someone was saying the entire world of Harry Potter is now available. It's kind of blew me away because that means they've actually recreated all of Planet Earth as well. <laughs> but yeah, I can only find the um, Hogwarts video at the moment. Okay. Uh, anyway, we should uh, move on. What have you been playing this week, DJ? I've been playing um, Warhammer 40k. And yes, before you say again, it's just too fun to play. I wasn't going to. I know. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just anticipating that moment. But yeah, um, I do have a question for the Warhammer fans. Mm-hmm. Your okay. So the Chaos Space Marines are different from the actual space marines right yes the evil anathema so what causes them to what 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 actually causes a space marine to go to turn into chaos space marine just uh just wondering is it because of is it because of an inner conflict or it's the chaos heresy Ah. there's the 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 gods of chaos and so forth you've got about 40 years worth of lore to catch up on here yeah it's it's literally like there's so much stuff to go. You got to go through. Okay. Um, what was that movie with? Um, I'm assuming you're thinking Event Horizon. That's it. Event Horizon. That's kind yeah. of similar to the process where it's a whispering in the mind. If you play the game, uh, I've actually played it. Um, Space Marine, where you actually play as an ultramarine captain responding to a call for help and you go running around the place and you actually deal facing off against chaos so it take you either fight against the chaos or it takes you over and you become an apostate of the chaos heresy and you must be eradicated hmm. yeah people reckon event horizon's a bit of a prequel movie to um warhammer yeah like a spiritual people, they're not really directly connected. There are actually um, war, like Warhammer 40k movies out there that have been made by different people. Okay, so what about you, Buff? I have been continuing on with Company of Heroes with my reinvasion of Europe. Um, I've completed the storming of Normandy and also Operation Market Garden and, yeah, moving through the different levels. And, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So last time you were, yeah, last time you were Normandy, where are you this time? Um, I was, well, I was up, I've done, I've done the, the first three levels. So I've done the, playing as the Americans and played as, played Operation Market Garden, which is up Sweden and Holland way. And then I've done the British with their part of D-Day. And I'm on, I was actually just about to start playing the next part, which I'm, I only got through the first mission this afternoon as a tank commander. Nice. So, yeah. But that's part of the Tales of Valor. So, yeah. I was driving around in a um, great big tiger tank and just destroying everybody and everything in my way, which is fun when yeah. you drive through a building and it doesn't hurt you 
and I've been playing uh, Netak, the classic roguelike. It's basically the definitive roguelike in terms of design and content. It's been in development since, I think, 1987, and is based off Hack, which itself is based off Rogue and so on and so forth, all the way back to the early 90s, late 70s possibly a bit earlier. It's been a, a while since I read about the creation of Rogue, which um, actually gets a mention in Stephen Levy's book, Hackers. I don't think it would have gone too much for earlier than the 70s. Yeah, actually. You know, I was thinking of adventure, not ah. Rogue. So uh, I think Rogue was late 70s. I mean, I'm, I have access to all of human knowledge. I check. Uh, Rogue is... <laughs> Rogue is 1980, and Hack is 1982. Okay. Yeah, because um, personal computing was only just taking off late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. Because the scene in Star Wars was with when he um, attacks the Death Star had the most amazing up-to-date computer graphics available at the time. And when I say that, I just mean the little targeting computer screen, not the rest of it. Yeah, so um, I've been playing in the classic uh, text-based mode. Okay. Gotta love those old text-based games. Yeah. I've been getting really into this sort of game recently. Um, I I always was, but specifically the terminal-based ones. Mm -hmm. And the level of detail and what they can do with it is Sweet. And like it's just using characters and on a screen. But they managed to simulate so much. Like Dwarf Fortress and um Cataclysm Dark Days Ahead are probably two of the deepest simulation games ever. Mm-hmm. But uh anyway, um on to the shoutouts for this week. <laughs> on the twenty-ninth of July two thousand five, the dwarf planet Eris was the discovered by the team of Mike Brown, Trad Trujillo, and David Rabinowitz. And on the 29th of July 2013, two passenger trains collided in Switzerland, killing one person and injuring 25 others. That's incredible luck to have such a low death toll from a head-on collision. Is it luck or is it just the Swiss are just so well organised that even their accidents operate according to the plan? <laughs> yeah, you're probably not allowed to get into an accident unless it's on the plan. It would, it would fit in with everything else we know about the Swiss. They're pretty good at everything. Well, it's just like they, there's a reason why they say everything oper- things operating perfectly operate like a Swiss watch. Yeah, they've got a particular level of craftsmanship, which is just carried over for hundreds of years now. Now, the next one on the 31st of July, 1715. A hurricane off the east coast of Florida sank 10 Spanish treasure ships and killed nearly 1,000 people. All the gold and silver on board would not be recovered for 250 years. And if you want to go and hire a diving check, they might have left a few coins. <laughs> It'd be worth it. Yeah, you'd have some pretty cool uh, like souvenirs. <clears throat> well, even the plates and so forth from some of those wrecks fetch a dollar's price, so... Yeah, you just got to work out how to dodge the Coast Guard and the wreck uh, salvage laws. Yes. And other treasure hunters. And uh, remembrances this week. 
on the 29th of July, 1833. William Wilberforce, who has a great name, the British politician and philanthropist who led the movement to abolish the slave trade. He heralded the, he headed the parliamentary campaign against the British slave trade for 20 years, including passage of the Slave Trade Act in 1807. He was convinced of the importance of religion, morality, and education. He championed the Society for the Suppression of Vice, missionary work in India, the creation of a free colony in Sierra Leone, the foundation of the Church Mission Society, and the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, along with basically every other society ever, apparently. He just really liked things that were called society of. Hey, he believed in society. He um, resigned from Parliament in 1826 because of his failing health and passed at the age of 73 in London, which was the same year, um, 1833, as the Slavery Abolition Act. Mm-hmm. On the 29th of July, 1890, Vincent van Gogh, or how do you say it in Dutch, Buck? Um, oh, yeah, it's, 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 it's Gogh. Yeah, something more like Gogh. Not, not go, as some people say. But that you can't have the joke unless you pronounce it go. <laughs> I parked right here. Where did my back? <laughs> I'm sorry, but I, I'm just a bit deaf to that one. <laughs> so even the call for the DJ to go running again. So even the library didn't like your joke. It's running away. <laughs> anyway, Vincent died after being shot, and there's some debate over whether he was shot by accident by a couple of kids playing with a gun, and he pretended he killed himself soon because he basically was shot, crawled home, and died a day later, and. There's some debate about whether he was killed by these kids, either by accident or deliberately, and he didn't tell anyone because he didn't want to ruin their reputation, or whether he shot himself. He's also famous for having the less than the average number of ears and producing 2,100 artworks, in most of them in the last two years of his life. Mm-hmm. I love his uh, painting of the cafe at night. Actually, they had an exhibition of his artwork in the, the um, Queensland Art Gallery, and I have to say, it was an amazing four and a half hours that I spent just looking at all the different stuff. Nice. There's actually a um, a VR experience based around the cafe Van Gogh was in, mm-hmm. or that he painted, and um, there's a movie that I haven't seen that is called. I think it's called Loving Vincent, and every frame is an oil painting. Yeah, he, it's just, he, he was an amazingly talented man. Yeah, yeah, and deeply troubled as well, like from his, uh, from all the trouble, from all the mental, mental health um, issues he had. What, didn't you know Van Gogh had his own fair share of troubles? Yeah, that's yeah, but some of those were because he was drinking absinthe, and absinthe back in those days was. Full of hallucinogenics and other things that are now illegal. Yeah. Did you guys ever watch that Doctor Who episode with Vincent Van Gogh in it? Yes, and it's fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was a beautiful episode. Have you heard of the song Starry Starry Night? Yes. Yes, I have. It's actually written about Van Gogh. Oh. What a surprise. So, our next remembrance is on the 29th of July, 1982. It, 
It was Vladimir K. Zworakin, the American inventor, engineer, and pioneer of television technology. He invented a transmission and receiving system using cathode ray tubes. He died at 94 in Princeton, New Jersey. And our famous first famous birthday of the week is the 29th of July, 1888. And it is Vladimir K. Zwerikin. I said it before. <laughs> How can I not? <laughs> he was born in Murom in the Vladimir Governor and on the 29th of July 1924, Elizabeth Short, known as the Black Dahlia, was an American woman who was found murdered in Los Angeles, California. Her case was highly publicized due to the graphic nature of the crime. It was suspected that she was an aspiring actress, but she had no known jobs during her time in L.A., yeah, actually, um, I remember reading that her family found out, like, that she'd been murdered because the um, the newspapers published her name before police had come to contact them. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that was a big thing back then. Yeah. Uh, I think the first case, uh, now I can't remember, but um, the first case of police like, that brought it into law was that the radio announced that somebody had died, his wife miscarried, and I think his mother had a heart attack. And he wasn't dead? He was dead. Ah. But then they decided from now on, don't release the name to the media until someone has made contact. Yeah. So next is the 29th of July, 1973. Stephen Dorff, the American actor known for portraying Roland West in True Detective Season 3. He was born in Atlanta, Georgia. And our events of interest, on the 29th of July, 1907... Dib, 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 dob, dob, dob. Yep. So that didn't come until later, though. So oh. That wasn't a thing yet. Okay. But, uh, so Robert Baden-Powell set up the Brown Sea Island Scout Camp on the south coast of England. The camp ran from the 1st of August to the 9th of August, 1907, and is regarded as the foundation of the scouting movement. Yeah, so uh, BP founded scouts initially, and with the help of his uh, wife and sister, founded guides and the other section. The other section, so they have different names depending on where you are, but in Australia, there's Joey's from the age of 6 to 7, Cubs from 7 to 10, Scouts from 10 to 13, adventurers from 13 to, sorry, uh, 14 to 18, then rovers from 18 to 26. Mm-hmm. The uh, Cubs are also known as Beavers in the UK and Canada. And then the Americans have their Scouts, we, who are just weird. We don't talk about them. <laughs> let me guess, but, every... every yeah. oh. is, it, is it the let Americans that are weird, or is it the American Scout movement, or just both? <laughs> It kind of bleeds over. Okay. They have 107 badges, including one for bugling and one for nuclear science, which led to an American scout building a reactor in his in his backyard. Did that actually happen? It actually happened. <laughs> I go, fuck, I see this. Not only do you get the badge, but you also get placed on the watch list with the, by the NSA, the CIA, the FBI... And you get given money by strange men in flowing robes and big bushy, <laughs> with big bushy beards from the Middle East. I so see you get cancer. Well, yeah, that too. 
This guy built a reactor, or at least tried to, in his backyard. And basically, someone he knew smuggled out um, radioactive material from an actual reactor, I think, for him to play with. So (laughs) the neighbors came home one day, and the cops and uh, FBI and radiation containment people were going around in bunny suits scooping up everything that sets off the Geiger counter. So he, he had he was the first person with glow in the dark chickens. <laughs> Americans. Yeah. Hey they they're a creative bunch. Gotta give them that. Yeah. So next is um the twenty ninth of July nineteen four. The first book in the Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring was published by George Allen and Unwin. Woohoo! Yes, one of the most epic fantasy works. And the next one, on the 20th of July, over 700 million people watched the wedding of Charles, Prince of Wales, and Lady Diana Spencer at St. Paul's Cathedral in London. Does anyone know how that compares to the... Uh, compares to the what? The more recent royal weddings. Um, um, I would say, say William's wedding was good. Harry's. No, uh... I mean in terms of viewership. Oh, there's probably viewership. more people watching um, the current generation, like Williams, Williams and, Harry's. and Harry's. But at the time, um, like Charles marrying Diana, I, I remember like that. Like I got to, have, I didn't have to go to school that day. We, we it, it was on TV, and yeah, everyone had to be quiet. You could watch that, or you could just shut up and sit in the corner. Everyone loved the Diana. Well, it was the it was a full um, fairy princess wedding, like the the massive, massive, massive train on her bridal gown that was just so long that yeah, you, you got to wonder how many silkworms died trying to make the silk for it. How much would it cost now that dress? Lord knows. I don't know, but the fact that Diana wore it made it worth a fortune even oh, more. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I said, Di- everyone loved Diana. I think even her death, even in her death, everybody still remembers Diana. Yeah, and the uh, the whole scandal about his name Dodie. Yeah, Dodie. Yeah. Mhm. And um, yeah, you guys may not. You probably won't remember. Do you remember the Stuart Diver incident? Um, the threadbows. Um. Yeah, the threadbow with the um, landslide. Yeah. Yeah. After that, there were. Diana jokes because that had happened not long before it, but after after the Stuart Diver incident, they were saying, "Oh yeah, they found another person in the car for Diana." <laughs> the Stuart Diver was hidden in the glove box. <laughs> yes, there was a comedian <laughs> who did that in England, and um, he had to leave the country the next day. Apparently, Jesus, he, he was escorted to the airport and told. You can get on a plane or you will just disappear on your own. <laughs> wow. Oh, that must have been really bad. Uh, well, yeah, like the, the guys who came and escorted him to the airport weren't police. Nobody knows who they were. They were just scary, scary men. I like this, though. We've got the um, article here about Stuart Diver. Uh, mm-hmm. I was just skimming it. And the rescue team were digging holes to see if they could find anyone and called out rescue team working overhead can anyone hear me and 
steward diver said, I can hear you. They asked if he had sustained any injuries. He said, no, but my feet are bloody cold. <laughs> well, yeah. First typical one. Aussie response. I'm sitting in, I'm sitting in a puddle of frozen water. No, I'm not injured, but I'm freezing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's all we have for tonight. So where can they find us, DJ? Uh, they can find us on Facebook. They can email us at nerds.amalgamated at gmail.com. They can find us on Twitter at nAmalgamated. Thank you, thank you. Um, they can also find us on Spotify. They can find us on that'snotcanon.com where we have an archive of our old episodes and merchandise and iTunes, and along with Stitcher. And wherever good podcasts are available. If we're not there, it mustn't be a place for a good podcasts. And check out some of our friends over at the That's Not Canon site. Uh, tonight we mentioned Musicals Taught Us Everything We Know. He's taught the podfather everything he knows. We won't tell him you pick musicals, DJ. Well, that's all from us. So uh, check in next week on the same bad time, same bad channel. Take care of yourselves and look after each other and stay hydrated. Hooroo. See you guys. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.